Welcome to the Maritime Podcast. You are listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. In this In Focus episode, we are examining the shipping industry's mission to decarbonize and what can be done today with fuels such as LNG and how to start meeting the compressed timeline for zero carbon shipping. Taking part in the discussion are Eswin D'Souza, Fleet Director, Fleet Operations, Petroleum at Eagle Star Ship Management, Singapore Private Limited, Mark Darley, Marine and Offshore, Chief Operating Officer for Lloyd's Register, and Prasant Dev, former Head of Freight Trading for Shell Trading. First, we turn to Prasant, who explains why LNG is a solution that can be adopted today and meeting customer expectations. There is obviously the need for us as an industry to take actual steps to decarbonize. We know shipping contributes over 3% of global emissions. We know it's one of the hardest segments to decarbonize. And we know also that there are no obvious solutions in the near term that are viable, both from a supply chain perspective, as well as from a commercial perspective, an economic perspective. There are technical viability questions as well, but these are being addressed. But the other two aspects are challenges. They will continue to be challenges for a while. Charters, like everyone else in the industry, are looking for solutions that are viable today, but at the same time that allow them to future-proof it, because we know that there is plenty of uncertainty, whether it's technical uncertainty, regulatory uncertainty, or even demand uncertainty for some segments. Right now, obviously, LNG works because there is an established supply chain. People know how to use it. People know how to handle it. And of course, the operationally, people know how to operate these vessels. And when I was in my former role at Shell, we had plenty of vessels then, and there are no operational issues that can't be dealt with. The other reason is regulation, of course, both on CO2 intensity, as well as on other air quality indicators, whether it is NOx, SOx, or particulates. And if you get solutions for that, LNG, for example, provides a solution to many of these issues. And the last bit is, of course, the mandates, whether it is internal or customer expectations. And that is one thing that is growing. Uh, the momentum is certainly building, and there isn't enough time to wait for perfect solutions to appear. We have to act as an industry now. The only solution that is out there today will be, for example, to look at LNG dual fuel. Following on from Prasant's comments, we turn to Eswin from Eagle Star, who will tell us about the process their parent company, MISC, went through in adopting LNG as a marine fuel and how it moved forward with like-minded partners. We are at a time when climate is definitely an issue and we want to do the right thing. For us, with respect to being, being an owner and an operator, the target has always been to try and see to move in the right direction. As was already said, you know, it, quite a few uh, of us uh, already, is that it's it's better to be progressive rather than to try and go for the perfect solution. You're never going to get that. So you take the step in the right direction. And when knots and socks was being talked about way back, the push in MIC was, guys, can you take this and look forward from a point of view of can we use LNG as part of point of taking the first step? And that's where we went with the first dual fuels in 2006, 2007. And the idea was born. It was taken a step further in uh, the turn of the decade, around about 2010, 2012, in that period of time, to try and look at the focus of, can we look at petroleum ships being run with LNG as a fuel? And that was born and was taken forward when we had our dual fuels 
that were delivered in 2017, 2018. So it's a mixture of that. You know, Prashant has mentioned the thing, of course, maybe it's a charterer's choice. But when we took that forward, it was, I think, Prashant in his previous role probably will know that that was the kind of the reason Shell actually moved across and started, you know, working with us like-mindedly. Because there's that willingness to try and move in that right direction to say, we are going to do the right thing. It might not be perfect, but at least it's a step to make progression and take that forward. While considerable progress has been made in using LNG as a fuel, it also has its critics. LNG is a fossil fuel and there are concerns over methane slip. So we come back to Prasan, who will explain what is being done to address these issues and why using LNG as marine fuel should not be considered greenwashing. Let's start with the energy density. By weight, LNG has nearly 20% more energy than conventional fuel oil. So that means that tank to wake, so on the ship itself, there is that benefit. On a well-to basis, it is true that the industry has to do more to deal with fugitive emissions, the so-called sort of methane slip along the way. And there are initiatives that are being taken. We know from experience that methane slip has been by and large addressed. I mean, the latest engine families are very, very efficient in containing methane slip. The other bit, of course, is to think about the other emissions. So, for example, burning LNG does not have any SOX issues. And NOx can also be contained depending on how the engine is configured, etc. So there are some ancillary benefits besides, of course, particulates being virtually non-existent. I come back to the point that we, we've made, which is what do we do today? Do we do nothing and wait for better solutions to come along, which could take a lot of time, maybe you know, up to 10 years? Or do we take action and do something with what we've got today? It's a dilemma. It's a challenge. But I wouldn't consider this greenwashing because while we wait for better solutions to come along, and there will be better solutions, and we will be looking at a multiplicity of fuel choices, ranging all the way from LNG to ammonia to hydrogen to clean LNG, potentially all the way up to nuclear, more small modular nuclear reactors. But even as we wait for all of those things, the question, the challenge for us is, what do we do today? And I think given that, and given that there are obvious benefits, even if it's a 10, 15% benefit, well, that's better than what we've got as an alternative. If you're enjoying listening, make sure you never miss an episode of the Maritime Podcast by subscribing on the app of your choice. We will now hear from Mark Darley from Lloyd's Register about handling fuels such as LNG and cryogenic systems in the engine rooms and how this will provide important learnings and improve readiness for operating with future zero carbon fuels. You know, as you say, we've now got, what, a third of the vessels on the order book that are dual fueled to one degree or another. We've got an ever-increasing fleet of ships actually in operation that aren't, you know, LNG ships that obviously made that initial transition to LNGF or could already operate on LNGF. I think it's important because, as Eswin says, we've learned a lot about the handling of cryogenic fuels, particularly on non-cryogenic transportation vessels. As Esvin also alluded to, it's not just about the handling of the cryogenic fuels. These fuels are low flashpoint fuels. A lot of these fuels are toxic fuels. Therefore, the lessons that we've learned about 
leaks or unwanted leaks or bringing low flashpoint toxic cryogenic fuels into the engine room and the, the sort of the sensing equipment, the fire detection equipment, as well as as Eswin was talking about the actual handling operations from a from a ship's crew perspective. A lot of that learning is really helping us now. And, and, and as I say, will have to help us because we're under a very compressed time frame in terms of getting to the end point as an industry in terms of zero carbon shipping. So it's good that we've got that learning. We just need to now be able to scale it up. Lastly, we will come back to Eswin from Eagle Star, who will take the listener through what you need to know if you're planning a switch to dual fuel vessels and the factors that need to be taken into consideration. You do have to think about the future. We've all been talking about that. You have to have a strategy. If you don't have a strategy in place to take yourself forward, you're not going to probably be viable in the medium to the longer term. What we've looked at is by taking the step with the LNG aspects, you know, we've got up quarterly the ships and the setup for it. You have to be future fuel ready. You do have to train your folks and uh, your staff, both on board and ashore, to ensure that you've got that angle covered. You must be at the same time looking at the future technologies and the alternate fuels that are coming about. And, uh, you know, the ammonia initiative that we have with the caster that was mentioned earlier on uh, by Mark, which we are working with Lloyds as well as Yara, who handle uh, ammonia in a, in a manner where in which it's going to give us a lot of value, is to try and see how can I think ahead of the game and not try and, uh, you know, just think about today. You have to think about the tomorrow and the day after and the end of the month and so on and so forth. We've been trying to make sure that we are in the right place. Again, going back to the point of, you know, it's a step in the right direction. It's not the perfect one. There are the aspects around methane slip. No doubt we are working on other aspects for that with our Daphne initiatives as well. So you're trying to make sure that the relevance and the sustainability in what you do with the package of the whole uh, ambit of things is taken care of. The experience with LNG and the experience with, you know, keeping it as a, as a cargo has to be taken to the next level and collaboratively work with, uh, with like-minded and willing uh, parties and stakeholders who, who actually want to take this forward and make a difference. It's a small step, but it's a big one in the biggest scheme of things because uh, there's not, not a lot out there. And yes, it will probably be a time when uh, you probably will see something with methanol taking off and uh, the blue and the green uh, versions of the various uh, fuels that are, that are being talked about and of course hydrogen but we package this with the now so that we set ourselves up for success going forward. Clearly the switch to dual fuels is not a decision to be taken lightly but acting today can kickstart a pathway towards zero carbon fuels. Thank you to Eswin D'Souza, Mark Darley and Prasant Dev for their time and insights. That is all we have time for today and we hope you have found this episode of the Maritime Podcast useful. Stay safe, and we look forward to joining you on the next episode of the Maritime Podcast. <laughs>